show already? Uh, just about, yeah. All right. All right. Let's do this. <clears throat> Welcome to another edition of Sunday Stories presented by North Church Guthrie, where we tell the stories of the people who make North Church Guthrie such a special place to be. And this is a special edition. It is the love edition of North Church Guthrie's Sunday Stories. And Fred Anderson had, had the dubious honor, maybe I, I said dubious honor of being the first ever guest on Sunday Stories. He was our first guest ever. And Fred, your, your life has changed a lot in the last year. So we, we had you back on. And the reason your life has changed so much is I think K-E-L-S-E-Y, Kelsey Bowie, or now formerly Kelsey Bowie, now Kelsey Anderson, Welcome uh, both of you to the show. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yeah, his, his life has changed. A little bit. I forgot that I was the first Sunday stories. I forgot about that. You, you, were, the, you were our first guest. And because, Fred, that we've, we've ha- told your story before, and please go back if you want to hear Fred's story. I'm not going to focus so much on your background, Fred, just because we've, we, we've, we've gone down that road. And so guests want to go back and listen to that. They can't. It's the first episode of Sunday Stories. But Kelsey, I want, to, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So a little bit about me. Um, well, I've been going to North Church. Um, I guess this makes three-ish years now. I started going to the Oklahoma City campus Uh, But I had a cousin who used to pastor on North Church, uh, Matt Nelson, a long, long time ago. And so I ended up coming to North Church and uh, started getting involved, started working in student ministry, which is how I met Fred. Uh, Like I said, at our wedding, I thought he was one of the students. I didn't know he was a leader. Uh, So when it was expressed that he had feelings for me at first, or I kind of got the hint, uh, I finally put, put it together that he was a a leader and not a student. So that, you know, that was better. Um, but I've been going to North church. Yeah. About three ish, three ish years. I love it. Now I've made the transition to going to Guthrie's campus, which is wonderful. Um, my personal life, I get to work from home, which is super nice. I work as a paralegal and we have a beautiful golden retriever named Winston that I am absolutely obsessed with. Uh, and so, yeah. Well, you all, the, uh, the guests or the people listening cannot see you. Uh, many who know will know both of you who are listening to this. But uh, for those who don't, uh, Fred is, is tall, dark, and handsome. And Kelsey is a beautiful blonde. And so for, for, this entire, for the entire world, I'll say that we are sick of your cuteness, by the way. <laughs> As the world, the world is sick of both of your cuteness. Tell, and this is to both of you, because uh, it's your story. Tell us a little how you met and how your relationship evolved. So that's, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we both tell different stories. I mean, they had the same start and the same ending, uh, but the, the, yeah, the middle in- ground's a little murky. Yeah, yeah. So Fred, you can tell yours first, and I'll correct it to the to the right story along along the way. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we we met at North Students um, on a Wednesday night. One of my first North Students experiences um, as a leader in OKC. 
of course, Kelsey fell in love with me immediately. Mm, yeah, no, didn't, didn't really realize it, but it took her a little bit of time. Um, but I thought she was cute. And so uh, I eventually, after just being her friend for a little while, asked her on a date um, that. Uh, and this is where the clarifying comes in is because he said he asked me on a date. The word date was never used. He said, we should go to lunch after church. And so, you know, I grew up in church. It's common to go eat after church together. So I'm like, date? And we're both sixth grade small group leaders. I'm sure he probably wants to like get together, talk about groups, any of that, like like work together and talk about how we're going to grow our groups and all of this. No, the, the word date was, yeah, that was never used. No, it was heavily implied. Um, so we had a close friend, one of the groomsmen from the wedding actually, who also didn't realize that it was supposed to be a date and ended up inviting himself to our lunch. And I did not disinvite him. I hopped on board with him inviting himself and was like, yeah, you should, you should come along. And so we all get to the restaurant and we sit down at the table and sweet JC Chapel says, so who else is coming? And we're like, no, this is it. And he goes, oh, am I interrupting something? And I immediately blurred out without even taking Fred's feelings into consideration. No, not at all. And Fred was like, no, no, yeah, no, I don't think so. So after that, um, I decided that I was going to friend zone her, you know, just be friends with her. No, that that wasn't it either. So we could focus on, on friendship. Cause I fear that she wasn't really, uh, wasn't interested. And so we just stayed friends for a while and we, we built a friendship and then, uh, eventually we just kind of they always say walked into it. Yeah. They always say that the best relationships come from friendship. Um, and I am older. I'm five years older than Fred. And I, not that that, you know, makes me smarter because it definitely doesn't. He's the smarter one out of us. But um, I, uh, I didn't have good experience in the relationship field. And so, you know, I'd never dated a friend. And so when people say that, you're like, you kind of brush it off and you're like, yeah, yeah, you, you date friends. That's the best friendship. But no, I mean, he ended up moving to Guthrie to, to work on the youth ministry up there. And um, we would talk every Wednesday night on the phone and he would tell me about his sermons he preached. And I think our phone calls would last anywhere from like three to four hours. Typically. Yeah. And uh, so, no, we truly just grew in friendship and grew in our faith. And, and those people are right. The best relationships come from friendships. And uh, so we started dating. Well, I guess that took some time too. Because if anybody knows Fred, they know that Fred has a process to things and he's logically based and he typically follows the rules. And so being on the North Church staff, um, he made sure to go and ask people's permission that it was okay to date me. I was a leader in the church, um, which I did appreciate. He asked if we could, you know, date me and how we should go about this. And then he set the rules for the relationship, which... um, more or like guidelines and things we should follow to make sure we keep in in line with our faith and, and God, which is good. It was hard and it's different because we both didn't know how to have a healthy relationship, but then, you know, we started dating and whenever we made the commitment to date, it just was like, we knew that we wanted to marry each other. We knew that we wanted to make that commitment for forever and that we wanted to glorify God with our marriage um, and with the intent of what he wanted for marriage. Hmm. Easiest decision I've ever made. I want to dig into that. Uh, you said it was hard. Um, it was hard 
maybe I, I want I want you to just kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Why was it why was it hard uh, for both of you, uh, you know, in, in that type of relationship? Yeah. So um, I'll speak for for both of us when I say that we've talked about this a lot, that neither of us had really had a, a Christ centered relationship before. Um, and we both we're both romantics at heart. And so we're both yeah. pretty gushy people. We like watching rom-coms and romantic movies and and Hollywood has a lot of a lot of opinions and a lot to say about what romance and what love should look like. And so one of the mo- more um, challenging things I feel for young couples is to, especially young couples in the church really, is to go into a relationship and kind of unlearn some of what Hollywood has taught and to try to train ourselves to look at love through a biblical lens. And so both of us, this was our first rodeo at that. It was our first time consistently leaning on the word of God and our faith in order to make sure that we are having a healthy God glorifying relationship. Yeah. When it comes into that. Um, and when he says, you know, it's our first healthy Christ in a relationship, we were by no means uh, new Christians. I, uh, and, and in fact, that's different for both of us. I grew up in church um, and, you know, categorized myself as a Christian my whole life. And, um, you know, people talk about, and they preach about in church, how you give, you need to give everything to God. And then it's hard for us humans that we want to keep some things to ourselves. Some people keep finances to themselves. Some people, um, just keep those personal things. And so I was able as a a romantic, um, I, I wasn't able to give everything to God my whole life. Uh, somehow I managed to keep the relationship life separate because I, I would have that view that, you know, God knows me and God knows the desires of my heart. But within that, I get to pick who I marry. Right. And essentially, yes, but I needed to make sure that I was picking one that would glorify God. Um, And I just had never really done that. And so this was the first time that it seemed, it just, it just seemed like a mature relationship. There was there was, I mean, it was romantic. We had the romantic parts. Yeah. We had that aspect. I'm not saying you just throw all of that out the window. Um, but you have to go about it a lot more sober minded. Right. It's more of a decision that you make instead of just, I don't know. Being overwhelmed by feelings. Yeah. By being caught up in the emotions of it. Which is hard for me because like I said earlier, Fred is logic based and I'm a very emotional based person, which uh, it makes things very uh, fun, you know, because uh, we uh, are very, very different people. And so I'm all about the feelings and communicating and over communicating. And I'm an extrovert and Fred is an introvert and he wants to have the conversation when it's, and then that's it. Like you've settled on it. You've agreed on the conversation and then every decision is logic based. So, I mean, we are, I mean, tell you opposites, but I think we complement each other well. And in this we made this decision because ultimately our number one person in our life is Jesus Christ. And I think when we finally made that adult decision and that relationship decision, that was the big difference. Instead of making our dating partner, our number one decision, we finally were able to give everything to God and uh, sacrifice. That's hard. That's the hard part. You hear that a lot. You hear, you know, we're going to put Christ first. In right. Marriage. We're going to put, Christ, and it, it, you know, as a, as a person, and I'm an unmarried person, 
Um, so, you know, to me, it, it almost sounds cliche. You know, it's right. like, oh, we're going to put you here all the time. Are you going to put Christ first? And how do you do that? Like, what, what does that look like? So I think it's just a lot about priorities. And it's so easy when you get that close to someone to allow all of your decisions to pass through a filter of, well, is this person going to be happy about it? Or am I going to be pleasing this person? Actually, Paul talks about it in one of his letters to the Corinthians that for some people, it's better to remain unmarried because then you're only focused on pleasing God. Whereas when you get married, you enter into that relationship, then you're, you're concerned about making sure that your wife is happy or making sure that your husband is happy. And while that's important, sometimes those decisions can come into conflict with what the word of God says about how a person needs to live or how a person needs to love. And so... Um, Practically, it just looks like on a day-to-day basis, choosing to love each other well mm-hmm. by loving Jesus well. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. It, it does sound cliche. And I won't say by any means you say, you know, what does that look like? Uh, today is three weeks of marriage. So we are by no means um, professionals or know what that exactly means. Um, but the cliche part that Hollywood makes it look like is that when you enter into marriage, you are two half beings and you all complete each other. And the, and to make Christ first is Christ is the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. And in those movies that you watch, it's like their lives feel incomplete their whole entire life. But when they get married or when they have that relationship, that fulfills them. And while my relationship to Fred and my marriage to Fred is fulfilling and I gain things from it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't satisfy my soul. It's pleasing to God because we glorify him, but I am pleased by God and his sacrifice for us and sending his son to die on the cross. That fulfills me. That is what saves me. And that's going to, get me into my eternal life. Um, Marrying Fred is great. And we plan to use our marriage to glorify God, but that doesn't get me into heaven. Um, And so you'll hear it in marriage ceremonies that they want to put God first and they want that. And, you know, we said that too, it is our intention, Um, but it's always easier said than done. It's going to come with its problems um, and where you are doing good works, the devil is going to attack you. And so I know that uh, we are only three weeks in and it's easy right now, especially in the honeymoon phase to, you know, say we're putting God first and to glorify him. I know that there are trials to come, but that's, what's going to make it easier is continuing to choose to put God first instead of each other. I I love how you guys use the, the Hollywood uh, metaphor, Um, you know, because I am the type of person who puts a lot of, you know, I, I do live a lot of my life through that Hollywood metaphor that 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 feed I'm given by Hollywood but life is not like that and and reality is not like that and and it's you know it's different and it there to have a healthy life you have to have sacrifice and it sounds like the two of you made those sacrifices um you know when you you decided that you were going to make some sacrifices when you met yeah. I, I would tell the people that, you know, want to live in the Hollywood world. Uh, we, we did it right. We did the realistic part first. We put each other first um, and we put God first and then we honeymooned at Disney. 
And so if you want to live in the Hollywood world, uh, it was great, you know, going there to get it out because um, they definitely create the aspect of feeling like you live in a movie. Um, but that's what's hard is when you're taught every day by the radio stations you listen to or by the TV shows or movies that you watch, by songs you listen to, you know, more often than not, people are listening to those things or reading those things more so than they're reading the Bible. And, and that's that's hard. And the Bible doesn't make love look all pretty and stuff like that. The Bible makes love look real. Love was Jesus hanging on the cross. That doesn't look so beautiful to most people. That's a man hanging on a cross with nails in his hands, but that's love. That's sacrificing. Love is not buying each other gifts and spending absurd amount of money and putting yourself in debt. Love is not going out of your way to send flowers all the time. Not saying that's not nice. It is. I love, we got, I got random flowers last week, just that said from my new hubby. And that, and that makes you feel good inside. You get the flutters. Um, but when you come down to a fight, um, that's not what's going to help you out is that. Yeah. Yep. Pay, I'm taking notes by the way. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no. Like I said earlier, we're only, we're only three weeks into this. So take this with a grain of salt. We are no professionals at all. And, uh, to be honest, next month, it will be a year of, of just being together. We haven't even, uh, our experience together is, it's, and people consider it short. We um, talked for a couple of months. I mean, we, our friendship lasted a year and we grew together in our friendship. And then we started dating and we got engaged after three months of dating. And then our engagement was actually the longest part. We got engaged in May, got married in January. And so February actually marks one year of being together. So again, everybody's timeline is going to look different. So take our advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing is that the Hollywood kind of paints this picture that there's like one formula that boy meets girl mm -hmm. and it, that's it. It's just sparks and happily ever after. And um, I had someone tell me once that the hard part starts after the wedding day. Like that's, that's when you have to start walking out because it's easy when you're coasting on honeymoon emotions and um, all the chemicals and, and the high of being in love, but love ultimately is a choice. Mm -hmm. I think that's what scripture teaches more than anything else is that love is an action and it's an act of sacrifice. And so there are going to be some things that I don't want to do and I don't like, but because I choose to love like Christ loved, I'm going to lay down myself sometimes um, and vice versa. I mean, that's just how it, it works. Yeah. I want to, I want to dig on that a little bit and, and your, and I will um, kind of your whirlwind relationship, but I, I, I want to ask something that is a curiosity for me, but I think it's in the church. It's something that we don't, and I mean, not North church, the collective uh, church that we don't talk about a lot. And that is young people meeting at church, mm -hmm. uh, and, and doing what you all did, um, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm a small group leader. I lead, uh, you know, young people, you both a little older than you all lead, but you all lead uh, young people as well. What advice do you give them uh, to, to young people who are in a situation where they want to meet somebody at church and, and, you know, and then maybe they see that person and they look at them and they go, you know, she's cute or he's cute and maybe i'd like to get to know that person a little more what what advice do you give to that person who wants who wants that who sees that and wants that 
So for me, uh, as somebody who works at the church, I'd say that the church really is the best place to date. I think it's a great place to date. I think that we need to encourage that in our young people to, to date within the church because and not just like North Church, but capital C Church, find people who are of the faith. Don't be unequally yoked. Um, but at the same time, don't come to church just to find a girlfriend. Right. Like that's that's really not the point and uh, of why you're coming to church. Um, and that's part of, if you're going to start off right, you're going to have to recognize that um, church isn't like christianmingle.com. You, you don't go there just to find a spouse. You go there to worship Christ. Um, you go there to build a relation with God. And then everything else comes with it. Um, and so I'd encourage people to date in the church, um, but don't come to church just to date. Well, and, and, and feeding off of that, um, because I was a romantic. I mean, so people, when they talk about me, they say Kelsey dreamed of her wedding her whole life. And, and, and I would tell people, I had it planned. All I needed was two weeks and a man. Uh, and that's, it's, that's true. It, they weren't wrong. Um, and so when I first came to North Church, my eyes immediately started looking around for who are single men? Who are the single men um, around here? And that's the thing is when I started to take my eyes off of that and focus them on my actual relationship with Jesus, that's when God provided because it's, it's interesting enough is that when I was doing that, I actually had liked somebody else within the church. Um, and that obviously wasn't God's plan. And Fred was um, at Deer Creek's location. And I hadn't even met Fred. And it was the very first night that I'm, I'd, I'd seen him in videos on the, on the screen. And I was like, who is this kid? Like, who is this guy? What, I, I keep seeing him on, on their promotional videos. And I've never seen him in the church. And it turns out he was in Deer Creek. And so then he comes that night. And so I think that was a, just a testament to faithfulness because God knew the desires of my heart. And when I was finally able to take my eyes off of that and actually focus them on the true, the true meaning of going to church, um, that's when he fulfilled his promises and he provided me with someone who I didn't even see, um, which was even greater because when you try to fill that slot yourself, um, you're going to be uh, not down. It's not a downgrade. What is the word that I'm looking for? Uh, disappointment. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be disappointing. You're not going to be getting the best thing that's for you. It's going to be shorthanded. And, and so letting God provide for me in that way was something more than I, I could have ever imagined. And so when you're going to church and you are single and you want to date, um, it's not a, a sin by any means to have that in your mind um, or to have that as a desire, but you can't let that be your number one desire. Yeah. What you need to do is, is my advice is to seek first the kingdom. Mm. And when you do that, he will provide those other desires that you, you want. Um, and, and, and this in no means uh, is my advice that, you have to meet somebody within church. There are Christians all over. Do I advise that they attend church regularly? I do. It doesn't have to be the current church you go to. Um, uh, I tell, you know, before Fred, I dated somebody who was actually Catholic for three years. Uh, and we go into the thing of the Bible that says to be equally yoked. And for me, I tried to justify that we were both Christians. Um, it's Christianity, 
but it's still different. Our views were different. And so what you need to do is you need to align your essential values with that person. And, and when you start dating them and you're getting to know them, that needs to be the first conversation is what, what are your views? What are your values in Christ? And that's something that's a, it's a hard decision. It's, and it's a hard topic um, because if you're going to get emotionally attached to them and begin that honeymoon phase, it's going to be harder to have the conversation of values later on after you've attached yourself to them. Um, and there are, there are tons of other good ways to meet people. And, you know, now we have meeting people online and it does have um, its negative opinions. And sometimes it, it can be negative. You just need to make sure that you're going about meeting the person in the right way and having the right conversations at the beginning rather than later in the relationship when you are attached instead of letting sin into your relationship, you need to start it off with the right conversations. You know, Kelsey, you bring up that point that, you know, especially today, and I'm going to get into the COVID thing, but, you know, meeting people today in relationships right now is, is, is challenging for people who are single, uh, you know, because you're not, you don't have those social gatherings that you used to have. Um, and then so people who are probably at, at one point, you know, Christians who are coming to the church are looking more inward to the church to say, here is where I'm going to find that person because I'm not going to find that person, uh, you know, at a, at a whatever. Um, I, how does the church, I, I, and you all are both small group leaders, uh, yeah. and you lead young people, how does the church create a healthy environment where that can happen, where things like you and, uh, well, Kelsey and Fred, you both, your relationship can flourish and then you you get rid of the other thing, which is, you know, the, kind of the trolling that I'm going to come in here and I'm going to find a woman or I'm going to find a man kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so to some degree, we can't control intentions necessarily, but I think just building a culture of accountability in the church is the biggest thing. Um, one of my mentors told me a piece of advice that I tried to apply all throughout our relationship, which is that let your relationship develop in the light. Like the less things that are unseen, the better. The less that you're doing things without a multitude of people around to keep you honest, to, to make sure that you're keeping um, each other accountable, that you're keeping to the rules and that you're doing things that are healthy for your faith, the better. Scripture says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it, we advise shot, but it means that we allow many people to speak into our lives who have um, clearly have our best interest at heart. That's good. Thank you, Fred. That's, that's great. Um, Kelsey, I, I want to ask you, you uh, as, as we kind of talk about the evolution of, of your relationship, uh-huh. you were in a small group uh, together. Right. And you and uh, a supper club, uh, and yep. you, you know, it kind of has, has faded obviously because of COVID. And you were you had a had a position at a at a at a group, and you sent a, a message out, um, and and you said, "Hey, pray for me. Uh, I I've just lost my job, and they've they furloughed or they furloughed seventy five percent of my company, and that was the moment for me." when this COVID thing hit. Right. It seemed, it seemed kind of ephemeral to me at this, but yeah, I was following the rules. I was wearing the mask. I was, you know, my gym was closed. I was working from home. Right. But that was the moment for me when it hit 
that this thing is really impacting people. It is. It is hurting people. Like, so this is a thing that you've been, you haven't necessarily, I don't know about the sickness and that sort of thing, but you, you were my first indicator that this thing is real. Yeah. And it it was a shock. Uh, Honestly, I just gotten back um, some of the people from the church. We went on a ski trip to Colorado and um, it was Crested Butte. And so we come back and I am back at work. It's a Monday and I get this group text. It's this ski trip text. And it's like, Hey, you guys look at this article. And it's from, um, the Colorado's health department. And it's like, if you have traveled to Crested Butte, Gunnison, all of these different places, you should be in quarantine. And, and what's interesting is on that ski trip, some of us did come down with an illness. Um, and we went and, and there's one medical facility in Crested Butte. I don't know if anybody listening has ever been there, uh, but it is, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to get to, but it's like this, it's small town. It's a small town feel. And there's one medical facility and uh, which I learned the hard way that they don't take insurance. <laughs> and so I uh, was sick. And then our good friend Sheridan and, and Lena, we all got this sickness and so we go there and their first response is uh, to test us for the flu because COVID, it, yeah, it existed in the United States, but still you could count the um, number of cases on your hands. And so we were there. And so we get, we, I see this group text and I'm like, do I go tell my place of employment that I was exposed or potentially was exposed? Cause I was like, well, if it's St. Crested Butte, surely it was in that one medical facility where we all visited. Um, and some of us tested positive for the flu and some of us tested negative. So the ones that tested negative, was that COVID? And so it opened up a lot of questions and a lot of worry because you, you think of situations and you think of scary situations and you think it never happens to you. And here we are potentially exposed to this virus that we have no idea about. And it's that very next day. Um, I told my work, of course, because, you know, that was a responsibility I needed to do. I communicated that to them and they were like, okay, well maybe take the next week and stay home, see if any symptoms develop. And that next day while I'm home, I get a phone call from my office. Um, and it's like over, over that 24 hour period, it just explodes in the United States and things start shutting down and, and it's just crazy. It was crazy how it happened in such a short time, time frame. And I worked for a restaurant group then, and, uh, I wasn't really an essential person. Uh, you know, restaurants, people weren't going to be going out to eat anymore. And so closing restaurants and doing curbside was essential, but yeah, they laid off about 75% of the company. And I was still a little confused. I think, um, I'm glad it made it real for you, Corey, but I was still like, I, I didn't realize it was real. I, I hear about it, but you hear of these stories. And again, it never happens to you. It feels like, um, and thankfully, you know, I never developed symptoms and I was, um, laid off for about a month and a half, two months, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say, you know, 2020 was the worst year. Um, 2020 was terrible. And I, those feelings are valid. Um, your feelings towards that year are, are valid. For me, 2020, I have a hard time having any hatred towards 2020 because my relationship with Fred started, uh, you know, when I got laid off, that was within our, it hadn't even been a full month of dating. And so it was like, 
we'd already seen each other. So if he was exposed or if I was exposed, he was exposed. And so we would just start hanging out in like in backyards, reading books. I picked up gardening while I was laid off. And so he helped me build some garden boxes. And so honestly, when you're dating, you, you go on dates maybe once every week um, or a couple nights a week. And so it's a very long process of dating and getting to know each other. And this only made it easier for us because we couldn't go anywhere. Coffee shops where we normally met were closed. Restaurants were closed. So we weren't having to spend insane amounts of money on each other. Um, he saw me without makeup very soon because why would I be putting on makeup every day that I don't have a job for and I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, and so I was living with my parents at the time. And so he would help me build garden boxes and we would just get to talk. And so that was beneficial for us. And um, just, I mean, going through that whole thing. And then we got engaged in May and, and we bought a house in September and we were blessed with that. And it was a year of blessings. And I, by no means will discount that it was a hard year and that people lost loved ones. Um, unfortunately, a couple of weeks before our wedding, uh, my grandmother, she got COVID and she died. And, uh, you know, that's not the main reason she was in the hospital already for a knee replacement and that had gotten an infection and she had an infection in her bloodstream, but on her death certificate, it, it says COVID. And, and so I get that it was a hard year. Um, but I think it's important to always highlight your blessings, um, and remember what we are thankful for, um, and so, but no, it was very real and getting laid off was real. And I was very thankful that I got hired back and I got a job uh, again a couple months later. And that really just makes you appreciate the things that you take for granted sometimes. Fred, you, you made that point to me and I, I, Kelsey, I want to ask you about your new job at some point, but Fred, <laughs> you, made, you made this point to me that, you know, your, your and Kelsey's relationship was sped up and Kelsey, you highlighted that as well a little bit because yeah. of COVID. Like it was like you didn't you didn't have that that you know let's go out to dinner and, and <laughs> nice fancy restaurants and and it, it was I, I tell that story to people a lot because I think it's so interesting that that COVID really sped up your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about a normal timeline for people dating, I mean, typically how it goes is that people uh, two strangers meet, they take a liking to each other, and they go on on a date and. They start dating and they date for about six months to nine months to sometimes a year. Um, and then as they get to know each other, and then at that point, they get engaged and, and get married. Uh, but for Kelsey and I, we'd already been friends for a year. We were pretty close friends. Um, and so when the dating process started, we're not starting from scratch. We're not just getting to know each other. We, we already know each other fairly well, but we're getting to know each other in a new way. Well, typically during the dating process, like Kelsey said, I mean, you maybe see each other three or four times a week. You can go on one or two or three or four dates even a month. But for us, it's just like eight hours a day. No small talk, no makeup, no pretense, just real conversation, getting to know someone on a personal level and loving that person for, for who they are when they don't have makeup on or for me when I'm in basketball shorts and 
I got yeah those superfluous yeah conversations that you feel like you have to have and be nervous and giddy about not saying I was never giddy no but it it was a lot more again it just comes back that idea of being sober-minded not being overwhelmed by the romance of it because it is hard to be romanced when you're both wearing sweatpants and building no makeup and, and building garden boxes there's not there's no candlelight. There's just conversation. To this day, we'll still tell you, and it still is, our favorite kind of date is driving around in the car playing Pokemon Go. Not yeah. that I condone playing Pokemon Go while driving. We stop. But I'm just saying, like, we'll drive to a location and play. And it's like, that's it. We'll go through a drive through and get a Coke and we'll just drive. And it's like, there's no $100 steaks, candlelit dinners, reason to get dressed up in fancy clothes. Not those things are bad. No, we love when that gets to happen. We love to, I mean, Fred's favorite food is steak and I, I love it too. I mean, we love to go to a nice restaurant. Uh, I'm definitely appreciate that our favorite dates are Pokemon Go dates because it helps us save money. Yeah, uh, but uh, romance doesn't have to have a whole bunch of dollar signs and zeros next to it. No. Kelsey, I think Fred has really devolved your culture, hasn't he? The Marvel movies, the Pokemon Go. I I think you meant to say evolved. No, no, no. You you see, you bring up the Marvel movies as we... Oh my, it is... We're, uh, we, we have half of Endgame down and then we have one more movie and she's watched all of them. I, I said to him... If you combine all of the Marvel Marvel movies that I've watched, like in all the ones that we're going to watch, how many hours does that equal? And I Googled it and it was 26 hours, 26 hours I have given to, uh, to this, this is where sacrifices ladies. I mean, uh, he loves Marvel and I love Disney. I get that. Um, it's just the, the comic book stuff, the Marvel, the superhero stuff for me, it's the same plot. Uh, there are good guys and then a bad guy comes in with a power that obviously is unmatched by the superheroes I mean he gives them a little bit of, of a fight but the superheroes overall will win and so on and so forth no matter how many superheroes or bad guys it's kind of like when you watched episodes of Scooby-Doo you knew that they were gonna have a mysterious thing and then they were gonna find it out and overall they would win and I'm sure the same thing goes for Fred when he watches the Disney princess movies. It's the same plot, but you know, it's, it's love for me. Uh, and so I've watched these Marvel movies. And so, yes, uh, last night we watched Captain Marvel and uh, Fred was like, let's just keep going. So next is Endgame, Avengers Endgame. And so we, which, uh, what is that? A two and a half hour movie? Three hours. Three hours. Okay. Oh my. So we made it through half of it. Um, and again, he is uh he's expanding my my uh culture i guess you could say yeah yeah. it's a lot of culture it's a lot of culture uh it's out of my elements i can't say that i love them i don't hate them like i thought i would i don't despise it um i'm thankful that he's not like addicted to scary movies because that's where i draw the line is i enjoy sleep at night uh (laughs) and i don't want to watch somebody get stabbed or murdered because then my mind is going to dream of those things. I so I don't want to give my mind uh, the ability to capture those evil things. So, you know, if, if it's just Marvel, I can sacrifice that. My, my guess, my guess is Disney plus is uh, all constantly on it at your home. I would oh, guess. Yeah. They've yeah. gotten their, we've gotten our money's worth out yeah, of Disney yeah, plus. That, yeah. that $7.99 or whatever is getting it's, it's, it's worth a month. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's getting used. And with Fred, uh, you know, he loves Marvel. 
But something, you know, I've learned is that not only does he love Marvel, but anytime that they release anything new, he has to watch it immediately. So whether it's the a movie, he is there on the night it opens at the first showing. Uh, and so that is something that, I mean, I hope nothing, I hope, you know, if, if slash when in the future, you know, distant future, we get pregnant. I hope our baby isn't due the same day as a Marvel movie, because if it is, I have a feeling he might be at the Marvel movies for showing instead of. I don't know. It just depends on the time. Yeah. At least he's not wearing a Hulk costume or something when he's going to the movies. So that's true. Yes. There, there are, you know, not that that's bad. People have their own things, but. I haven't dressed up for the opening night premiere of any movie though. Not yet. You have gone to a Comic-Con, though. I have gone to a, co- a couple Comic-Cons, yeah. Yeah. And he makes fun of me because, you know, we're on our honeymoon. We're at Disney World. And so, you know, I give him a little bit of grief over the Marvel stuff. But for the most part, I'm watching the movies. Of course, I question them. I'm a person that talks through movies because I like to ask questions, uh, which absolutely kills him because his response to my question is, just watch, they'll explain it. Just watch, they'll explain it. I'm like, what? just tell me. I don't, I'm asking a question. I want to see if I got it right. And so here we are at Disney World and Mickey Mouse is on the other side of this building. And, you know, of course, we're having to take COVID precautions. Everybody's in a mask. Everybody's, you know, distanced. And so the characters can't really come near you. They're behind all these areas. But I wanted to get a picture of Mickey Mouse. And so I'm screaming across this entire um, auditorium, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. And he was he keeps telling everybody this story. I'm not embarrassed of it because... (laughs) Uh, what that he loves Marvel. It's like, I love Disney. I love being a kid. And so here I am screaming Mickey Mouse. And Fred was like, we're going to see him again. It's not a big deal. We're going to see him again. Quit screaming. And uh, I keep reminding him, we didn't see him again. We did not see, we him, did again. Not see him again. Yeah. And I didn't get a picture. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, we, I, I love that we are um, comfortable with being kids with each other, but I guess like kids, but in a mature way, we can embrace our love for, either marvel or disney or anything like that yeah. but uh yeah the marvel thing it's i can't say that i would want to watch any of them again you're, you're both that. young at heart which is a good yeah. we're young at heart yeah let me uh you, you shared your uh your proposal at the wedding uh, <laughs> story of your proposal and i think uh the listeners may find that interesting so why don't why do you uh kind of kind of share share your proposal story so I, uh, we knew that we were going to get engaged. We, we'd had open conversations about it, but she thought that it was going to happen a few months later. Mm-hmm. And so the day started like any other day. Um, she, she had to be at a baby shower for um, my mentor's wife and her mentor. Yeah, she ended up being uh, my mentor, yeah. Yeah, um, for, for a mentor and so she does that. And then I'm at my house. And so she comes over afterwards and she's exhausted because she was helping put stuff together and plan things. And so she decides that she wants to take a nap. And so she starts taking a nap. Well, later in the day, she has a photo shoot for North women, which is no big deal because she has plenty of time. But as time goes on, she just keeps sleeping, sleeping. Now, what she doesn't know is that I had contacted um, one of the person people that was in charge of scheduling and I told them to tell Kelsey only that the shoot had been moved to that day. So in actuality, the actual North Woman shoot was a day later, but Kelsey didn't know that. And so she's sleeping and I'm trying to get her to wake up and go because I know that I have to propose in about three hours. 
and she doesn't. And so she just keeps sleeping and sleeping. And so I'm like ironing my shirt that I'm going to wear the proposal in my bathroom and leaving the ironing board in the shower, <laughs> trying to get ready um, quietly and subtly. And I'm trying to like push her out of the house it, and, and get her to leave. And she won't wake up. But she- that's the part though is, so I suffer from chronic migraines and that's what it was is yes, I was exhausted from the baby shower, but I had one of my really bad migraines. And so I have like medicine for it that I have to take. And so I took my migraine meds, which in theory does not cure the migraine. It basically knocks you out and that's how it fixes the migraine. So here I am like basically just knocked out sleeping. And I was like, Hey babe, wake me up in a couple hours. Like he was watching a, I don't like a, some kind of movie or something. Yeah. You're watching a movie. And I was like, come wake me up uh, by, by this time. And he comes in there and he wakes me up. And I'm like, no, 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 give me 30 more minutes. My head is still killing me. So like, I don't feel well. And so he's like, I'm trying to get her out of the house. I'm like, no, no, no. You were like, if you could have just like thrown me out, like pushed me out. He wasn't being rude by any means, but I was, he's being very assertive. And I was like, you know, normally when I'm sick and have a migraine, he's like, just take it easy. Like I understand you don't go well. Um, but she wouldn't leave and I needed to propose. Yeah, I didn't feel well and I wouldn't leave because typically that's how it goes. It's like, he'll take care of me. He's like, do you need a Coke? Do you need, what do you need? And he's like, hey, you've got to get out of here. You've made a commitment. You need to go. And so eventually she does, she gets up and leaves. And so I drive as fast as I can to the Muir Gardens where she thinks the shoot is happening. And so I'm waiting there and we share a location with each other. And so like, I'm like watching her and she is supposed to be there like, 3 p.m. Yeah, you wanted me to be there at yeah. so she's 3 or 4 or something like so that. So she's supposed to be there at 3 or 4. And so it's like 3 or 4. She hasn't left her house yet. And she hasn't gotten ready yet. And so she shows up like 15, 20 minutes late for her own proposal. Yeah, I think that's right. I needed to be there at 4. I wake up from my nap at your house at 3.15. And he's like, this is the last thing. Like, this is the last straw. You are not going to make it on time. And so while I'm taking this nap, like... I had not gone home and changed into the outfit I needed for the photo shoot because for North women, uh, we're supposed to stick to like the colors, like the blush and the ivory. Uh, I hadn't done my makeup. I hadn't done my hair. Uh, even at that baby shower that morning at Hope's baby shower, she, I didn't have my makeup because I knew I'd be setting up and it was outside and it was a hot, uh, hot summer day. And so she looks at me, she's like, you're going to like do your hair and makeup for the photo shoot tonight. Right. And I was like, why, why are people being so weird today? And of course, like people are like, why didn't you put it together? And honestly, I probably should have, but I didn't, I was like, people are just being weird today. Yeah, of course I'm going to have hair and makeup done. Like it's a, it's the photo shoot. Like I want to look presentable. I don't want to look like I just rolled out of bed for some photos while everyone else is doing here or has hair and makeup. And so I was like, I wake up from my nap. It's 3.15. Fred managed to get me out of the house. But then I realized I hadn't eaten all day. And so it was at the wedding in that video when we we're talking about the proposal that Fred didn't know. I actually did not go home to get ready. I drove to McDonald's. Uh, so here I am on this time crunch. And I was like, but, you know, Shannon Bouts, she's the head of this. She will understand that I don't feel well. Um, and she would want me to take care of myself first and then be there. So I go through McDonald's and then I go home and I'm like trying on different dresses because I probably should have already had my outfit picked out, but I didn't. And uh, honestly, if I would have known that we were getting engaged, I probably would have worn something a little more comfortable. Uh, but so I'm there and yeah, I didn't even think, you know, Fred and I had shared locations for ever since we really had started dating. Um, 
just to make sure we made it places safely and everything. And uh, so I didn't even think he told me he was going to the church to help set up for church outdoors. And, you know, I don't think twice about that because that's a regular thing for him. So I don't think, hey, check his location to make sure he made it there safely. Uh, But I guess that whole time he was watching my location and knew that I was running late to the North Women's photo shoot. So, yeah, I was supposed to be there at like four and I got there. He says 4.30. I got there like 4.15. It was 4.30. But hey, we got engaged and uh, it it all worked out really, really well. Yeah, I finally got there. Finally, after wandering around the park, finally found him as I was trying to find this group of girls that I never found because there was was no photo shoot and none of the girls were answering my text messages. Uh, I finally, yeah, see Fred standing there under this beautiful pergola with a bouquet of my favorite flowers. Um, and so, you know, I automatically, it, it all made sense. Uh, and suddenly I couldn't move. Honestly, my legs stopped working. He was like, Hey, come here. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't move. Uh, so it was, it's very hard to surprise me. And uh, he was, he was able to do it. That's right. You get a gold star, man. That was awesome for that. Uh, (laughs) Kelsey, you've been dreaming about your wedding. Uh, it's, I guess you said since you were two. And I would imagine you couldn't have ever imagined you would be getting married uh, with COVID. Uh. <laughs> so I, I, you shared with me some of the challenges you had uh, with this wedding. And I, I'll let you share with uh, the audience what you want to share. But tell our listeners kind of some of the challenges you had planning and finally the day of, of this wedding. So... I would never wish it upon anyone to get married during the COVID season. Am I saying by any means don't get married during COVID? No, because you should. You should get married when you want. Um, And the first and foremost is the thing to remember to any bride or groom is that it doesn't matter what it looks like or who is there or who isn't there or where it is or what you have or what you don't have. Now I say this now after, after marriage, because if you would have told me that before my wedding, I would have punched you in the face and I did. in the honest, in the most honest and sincere loving way, I would have punched you because you like, like you said, I did dream of this wedding since I was two. Uh, I was a very girly girl raised by a single mother who was not girly. So where my girliness came from, I have no idea. Uh, Disney movies, honestly. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I even went into wedding planning. So when I went through college, my major was advertising and PR. Um, and I, and I picked that major because I wanted to be a wedding planner. And so it kind of went into coordinating advertising and just really relations, public relations. And so, um, I did wedding planning for a couple of years out of college, even started my own uh, business for a while, doing it kind of on the side of full-time jobs. And it never really fulfilled me. Um, which a job is not supposed to, but it was, it was sad for me because what I longed for was not just planning of weddings, but the planning of, of my wedding. Um, And I was always thinking, you know, with how romantic I was and how much I wanted a husband, not necessarily a wedding, but a marriage. Um, I always thought I'd get married at a young age and I didn't, Uh, not that 26 is it young, but I, it's a lot later in life than I thought I would get married. And, um, So yeah, so when it came down for wedding planning time, we got engaged in May. And so uh, COVID, you know, kind of really started hating late February, early March. Um, And so everybody's like, well, you know, COVID will be done by then. 
And so people around that time that were getting married in February, March, April, May, were moving their weddings and postponing it. And so I'm thinking, um, you know, we had talked about getting married in January. And honestly, the date kind of picked us. Fred uh, graduated from OSU last this last December. Uh, and his mom, she does taxes for a living. And so tax season starts the second week, technically, of January. And so it was like he didn't want to get married before graduation. And December is a super busy month for pastors. Uh, so not December at all, but his mom wanted us before or after tax season. Uh, you know, tax season last year got postponed and got moved. So I didn't want to have to count on that. So we're like, okay, well, we'll get married before tax season. So that's the first weekend of January, which is how our date came about one, two, two, one. And so I'm thinking, oh, COVID, it'll, it'll probably be done by then. There'll be a vaccine or maybe it'll be like, you know, the Ebola virus when that went through. Yeah, Ebola is not cured, but um, that problem, you know, kind of resolved itself within a couple of months. So of course, that's what everybody was thinking. And that's kind of what I had counted on. Um, and I let my emotions get attached to that idea. Uh, and, you know, just like my love life in my dating life in a lot of the situations look like for me is that none of them went the way that I planned for them to. Uh, God wrecks you. God wrecks you in those things. And it's not to be mean or to be harsh. Um, but ultimately, we are not here on this earth for ourselves. Um, and those are things that I highly valued. And honestly, those are probably things that were pretty close up there with them that shouldn't have been. Um, and, and God wrecks you in the best ways because it ended up being greater than I could have imagined. Uh, nowhere does it tell you in the Bible that you won't endure troubles or hard times or suffering. You will. Um, and that's how, and what Fred really loves. Fred loves is how you grow through situations. He's always encouraging people to grow. And that's how you do grow is through those hard things. Um, so when it came down to time for wedding planning. It was actually really simple. I had the wedding planned, pretty much everything booked within a month. I knew all the vendors that I wanted um, because from the years of experience and working in the wedding industry, I had met people and made connections along the way of wonderful, wonderful vendors um, that were very helpful and they were available for our wedding date. And they were all encouraged, uh, encouraging and excited for me, since it was finally my turn instead of a wedding I was working. And so everything was falling into place in the beginning of this process. Everything seemed perfect. Um, and reality is nothing is perfect. There's no thing of perfection. Things were going great. Things were wonderful. And, you know, not saying everything wasn't wonderful, but as time and time got closer to the wedding and we sent out invitations and we started getting them back, uh, that's where I was starting to get discouraged is when we started getting our invitations mailed back to us. Uh, they, you know, in wedding planning, we say account for 75% of your invites to come. That's kind of the rule of thumb is like, well, however many invites you send out, 75% of those of who will come back. And so Fred and I sent out 450 invites uh, when we first made the rule. We were only supposed to invite 300, so <laughs> I was really counting on the 75%. And then it started coming back to where it was 50% of people, and then even lower than that. And so as I was at first excited about getting RCPs in the mail, and I was opening them up, and I was super excited, it started to turn into a stressful, sad thing because they were no's. 
And I I can't say that I blame the people because COVID is scary Um, and everybody handles it a different way. Um, For me, Fred and I had gotten COVID later on in our um, relationship. We got it at different times. I think he got it in September and I got it in October. And, um, you know, the flu was worse for me. I'm not saying that COVID is, isn't bad for some people because obviously I had a family member pass away from it. It is bad. Uh, but I wasn't scared of it. So, you know, we go out and about and we go to restaurants, but we wear our masks and we use hand sanitizer, but it's okay that people didn't want to come. And I acknowledged that and sent a little note in our invite saying, Hey, we totally understand because we do. Um, but that didn't make it any less sad for me. Um, even though I acknowledged it and I respected their choice to not come, it didn't make it any less sad for me. And so as I was celebrating, I was also grieving that this expectation uh, that I had my entire life um, wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, And that's very hard. And uh, so as we were going through this and we were getting back no's, we get closer and closer and closer to the wedding. And um, for me, I wanted my uncle to walk me down the aisle. He doesn't have any children. And I was actually super close to him growing up. Um, my, My biological father, he passed away when I was 11. Um, my parents were divorced then, um, and my mom had sole custody of us, and, but we would still get to visit him. And, and he was an alcoholic. He had issues. Um, so I didn't have a biological father to walk me down the aisle. I do have a wonderful, wonderful stepfather who is basically my dad. Um, he is my dad. Uh, and he understood that I wanted my Uncle Mike to walk me. And it was about a month out from the wedding, and, and my Uncle Mike is immune compromised, and he you know, it was hard for him to make the decision that he couldn't come to the wedding. Um, So that was the first adjustment that I had to make. Um, But it wasn't much of an adjustment because I do, I have a wonderful stepfather um, who is my dad. And so I was very excited for him to walk me. That was no big deal. And our wedding had many parts of, we. you know, the intention was to have three pastors officiate because uh, for me, I love people as an extrovert. I don't know how to cut things off. And so our bridal party consisted of 10 bridesmaids, 10 groomsmen, two junior bridesmaids, four ring bearers, and four flower girls, which is insane. I am crazy. I do acknowledge that. Um, And then I was supposed to have three pastors. And so three parts. Um, And then during the communion part of our our ceremony, uh, we were going to have live music by the wonderful... Um, Farah and Avery Stout. And so here we are. This is the the day before the wedding. Uh, I wake up that morning um, and there's snow. They told us it was going to be a light dusting and I'm waking up and there is actual large amounts of snow. And I'm like, like four or five inches. Yeah. Yeah. So not only were we that week before the wedding getting text messages from people saying, Hey, you know, COVID's kind of ramping up again. We've changed our mind. I know we RSVP'd, but we're no longer going to come, which, you know, is stressful because you, you know, paid for people and, but that's okay. Again, I respect people's choice. I just was kind of like, at that point, don't feel like you have to text me and tell me just, I won't know. They tell you, you don't remember people on the wedding day. Just don't tell me. I won't know. Um, and so that morning, the day before her wedding, there's the snow. And so now we start getting text messages about, you know, COVID ramping up and people not coming, but also that the weather, if the weather's bad, I may not drive up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to have like five people. Uh, and then we get a, a text 
that Avery is no longer going to be able to perform and sing and play during the communion part of ceremony. And I just look at Fred and I'm like, what do we do? And wonderful, wonderful Farah. She learned the song and sang it all by herself. She did a beautiful, beautiful job. And we are so very thankful for her. And I looked at Fred after that text message. We got that problem solved. We put out another fire. Uh, then we get a call. Um, so for our rehearsal dinner, Chick-fil-A was catering because, you know, I'm, I, I wanted it to be easy. I wanted everybody to like the food for rehearsal. Well, it's also New Year's Day. So Chick-fil-A was going to close early that day anyways. Uh, but due to the snow, Chick-fil-A decided not to open up at all that day. So here we are on the rehearsal day, Fred and I are figuring out a plan. So we ended up having pizza again, put that fire out. No big deal. But I did look at him and I, and I, I said to him, if one more thing goes wrong, I can't handle this. I'm going to break down. And I was very, very discouraged and I felt very broken. Um, and that speaks to the, you know, the pedestal that I put this on and, and just stress in general. I mean, brides do get stressed and it was uh, 30 minutes after that that you got a phone call. So Pastor Rodney, the wonderful Rodney Fouts, um, calls Fred. And, you know, I'm thinking it's a work phone call for him. So he goes and he uh, closes himself in a room and I hear him talking to Rodney and I'm like, okay, it's a work call. But then I suddenly can't hear him very much anymore. And what he did is he went in our room and then he went into our closet and he closed himself in there. And Rodney was calling to say that he uh, was very, very sick. Uh, he's negative for covid um, they think it's maybe double pneumonia. He's not sure if he can do the wedding ceremony the next day. And like I said, we had three pastors officiating our ceremony. Um, but Rodney was doing the full length part. Like my cousin, Matt was opening. Rodney was doing the full ceremony. And then Pastor Samson, who was also the best man, was going to do the communion message and then close and announce us as, as bride or husband and wife. And uh, so Pastor Rodney had the, had the full part. And so Fred, knowing that I just said to him, if one more thing goes wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. He panics because he knows like I'm an emotional person. So he gets off the phone with Rodney and calls my mom and says, this is what's happening. She just said this to me. How do I tell her? How do I do this? And my mom's like, you just have to do it. You just have to tell her plain and simple. Don't try to dress it up. Um, she offered to drive up here and tell me to my house. And he said, no, I can do it. So he walks in here. I'm sitting on the couch, like folding wedding programs or something along those lines. And he sits down next to me and he goes, everything is okay. And I immediately go into, oh no, what, what's wrong? And he says, Pastor Ronnie may not be able to do the ceremony, um, but it's going to be okay. I can call Matt and talk to him and see if he can do the full ceremony or you can call him. We can call him together. Your mom can call him. He comes to me with all these scenarios and I don't cry. And I don't freak out or anything like that. I take it for what it is. Um, I'm like, yeah, I can finally start rolling with the punches. That's what I'm saying out loud. Um, and it's fine. And we get it all worked out. And, you know, Matt says he can handle the full ceremony. It's not a big deal. And so and a couple hours later, Fred and I are in Walmart picking up drinks for the rehearsal dinner. And I forgot that I needed pajamas. That's what it was. Yeah. I needed pajamas, uh, to get ready in for the wedding day. So we're in the pajamas section, which is also like, you know, like the underwear and, and socks and all that section of Walmart. And I finally lost it. I started crying in the middle of Walmart 
in the underwear section. I'm sure people thought I was crazy. And I just was crying. I was so stressed. Nothing was going the way it was supposed to. People were texting me left and right that they weren't coming anymore. And, you know, I was having to make adjustment after adjustment. And I was very sad. And ultimately, when I finally got peace um, and, and got time later on to just sit there, I'm not saying that I didn't have a right to grieve or that those feelings weren't valid. And, and Fred didn't say those feelings weren't valid because they were into any bride and groom getting married or somebody getting married recently or that did get married recently. Those feelings are valid and you do get to grieve those situations. There's no wrong in that. There's no wrong in being sad about it. There's no wrong in it for being important to you like that. But the, the real part is that Fred and I got married that day. Um, and that's what mattered is that I married my best friend, somebody I couldn't even imagine a husband that amazing is that God fulfilled that for me. And it was, it was a wonderful day. Everything was beautiful. There's a little bit of snow on the ground, which was for pretty pictures. Yeah, I did, you know, walking around the reception, I noticed that there were tables that were empty and chairs that were empty. It was assigned seats. So there were place cards at seats. And so not saying that you don't notice the people that aren't there and then it doesn't hurt any less. Um, and I'm not saying that those, it just, that's okay to be sad, but you need to remember the importance of the day is that I married my best friend in a marriage that glorified Scott. Um, and so, yeah, it was hard. We had a lot of issues. We ran into a lot of issues, but I grew in my faith. And I think that's, what's really important. It was, it was a beautiful wedding. Actually, I, I, uh, about a week before the wedding, I reached out to Fred to do this interview. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, like, can we do this interview for the way? Cause it'd be cool. Oh, and then, and then the next, and then they'll have the wedding. And it was like, Hey bro, I, I'll have to check with Kelsey, but it maybe you <laughs> hold off on the recording until after the wedding. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he was so Fred had your back there. He was like, let's do this later. Let's not do this now. What was it during uh during the wedding? It was on the wedding day. What did the videographer say to you, Fred? Oh, uh, the videographer, me and my groomsmen are upstairs. Kelsey's in the building, so they're they're having to hide me in a corner so I don't see see my bride to be. And the videographer walks up to me and he just looks at me and says, "You get her back." Um, sometimes it's after the honeymoon, sometimes it's after the ceremony, but she comes back. Everything's okay. Um, and I'm like, thanks, thanks, man. <laughs> Yeah, he's never really had a conversation with this guy in his life. And he's like, wait, what are you talking about? She comes back. Like, did she run? Like, is she running away? And he's like, no, she comes back. And so, yes, I get that uh, the bridezilla thing is a thing. Not that I was mean, just that I was overly emotional. And so even if like you just, I don't know, if something got spilled on a shirt, I probably just would have cried just because it was like, of course this is happening. Of course this can't go perfectly. And I think it's this, it's this, a great reminder is that eh, we are not here for ourselves. We are not on this earth for ourselves. And as much as that sucks sometimes in those situations, uh, now I can laugh about it. In that time, I was definitely crying. Yeah, there was a, there's a moment the wedding. I think it was your stepdad uh, who slipped. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. In which we had to, I did message my videographer to cut that out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, my dad, he walked me down the aisle. Uh, and, you know, at North Church at the Oklahoma City campus, you walk up onto the stage and it's actually really slippery. Like those tuxedo yeah, shoes. Yeah, have, yeah. 
they don't have traction on them. And so after he delivers me to my groom, I puts my hand into his hand and says, you know, who gives this woman to this man? And he says, I do. My dad turns around to step down and slips and falls in front of the whole crowd. And that in, in itself was just kind of like, you just have to laugh about it. It's not going to be perfect. And if you put it up to this level or this expectation, um, I saw this quote one time that was expectations are premeditated resentments. Um, and I, I have always loved that quote. And it's like, if you don't put the expectation, just put the expectation that it's going to be wonderful and that there will be mistakes and that there is this thing called grace um, because that's what how God views us is that we have this expectation on the earth um, to glorify him. But the whole purpose of him sending his son to die on a cross is that he knows that we will make mistakes and he extends this astronomical amount of grace to us. Um, and so we just have to be in turn capable of, of living like Christ and doing the same thing. Um, in, in all aspects, not just to other people, but even to ourselves. And so for that day, uh, after my dad fell, which I was so concerned, I was like, oh no, is he okay? And actually he played it off really well. Turns out he pulled a sciatic nerve and bruised his whole side of his body, which is real bad. Oh goodness. I didn't know he was in. Yeah. It was like, Pastor Rodney came up to me uh, not very long ago. I was like, your dad actually like hurt himself like more than he, and I said, yeah, he, uh, he did. He hurt himself. He's much better now. We're, we're fully recovered, pulled a sciatic nerve. Um, so just some rest and stuff. Uh, but it was just kind of like, it was the cherry top on the, on the end of the cake that it, it, just, it, it was, was a beautiful wedding. It, it was it, beautiful. It, it, and, um, and, it, you know, you talk about grace and I love that. We've, we've talked a little bit lately about the prodigal son at, at church, the, the parable. And I think that's a great, you know, we offer, we need to offer grace and forgiveness um let me ask you i you know i when i was looking at your wedding party and i joked i think with fred that your your wedding party was like the north church all-stars you know (laughs) you know you're all all the all the all the hits were involved but i just i i you know you're standing or you're you're sitting there in the audience and you're watching them and you just think about the we talk a lot about diversity in the church yeah and you look at the wedding party for both of you on both sides, on the on the bride side and the groom side, it's just wonderful diversity in the church. And, and you got you really got to see that in, in your wedding party. Right. Right. I so I grew up in a in a small town in Oklahoma. I grew up in Noble. And so I mean, compared to other small towns, like I know people that graduated with like eight people in their class. And so to give you kind of uh an aspect. I didn't graduate with eight people. I graduated with 170. So it's small, but it's not teeny, teeny, tiny. Um, but Noble is known to be very country, very redneck. It's very, it's, it's five minutes south of Norman. So I actually had an address in Norman my whole life, but I went to school in Noble. And so um, something about Noble is, you know, race is, is a hot topic right now. And uh, Noble just, it, it tech, you know, in its diversity is we had mixed races, but predominantly it was a white school. There's, there was a lot of Caucasian people and, um, not because they're racist by any means. That's just how it worked out. That's just how, it, how it was. And so when I went to college, um, you know, it was different. I would, 
and I went to ECU and Ada, and I also went to OU for a year. And you're seeing different cultures, you're seeing different races, and you're finally getting to immerse yourself um, and diversify yourself in um, other parts other than what you're familiar with. And so in high school growing up, all of my friends, it seemed like they were white. Um, I had some friends that were mixed. All of my boyfriends seemed like they were white and it's not because that was a preference or because I had any issues with that. It's just how it happened to be. And in the situations that I was in and so, uh, for, you know, you all can't see us right now. And so uh, I, we got described earlier as handsome, tall, dark and handsome. And, and Pastor Rodney did a sermon one time and it was, um, you know, on the topic of race. And we were called up there because um, we're a biracial couple. Fred is a half um, African-American and half white. And, uh, you know, if you genetic test me, which I did, it'll tell you I'm 1% African-American. You by in any way in, or any means cannot tell that I am. Uh, Pastor Rodney described me on stage as the pale white girl. Um, and that's not offensive to me. My skin is actually pretty much translucent. It's clear. Uh, I am very, very pale. And so, you know, what I thought my future husband would look like is not what Fred looks like because it's not what my normal was. And it's greater because he is, he's tall, dark, and handsome. He's the most handsome man in the world to me. Um, and so as we grew up and we got involved, um, in different areas, uh, you know, as I went to college and I diversified my friendships and then I came to North church and I love that not, North church staff is not only diverse, but their community is it's welcoming to, to any race, any culture, any of those things. And they make you feel welcome. It's not like just those communities that say that they welcome those. They make you feel like you're at home. And so that's something that Fred and I actually talked about is that I had a lot of different races. I, I, I'm in my bridal party. I, you know, I'm white. I had a few girls that, you know, identify they're, they're white and I had African-American. I had, um, Indonesian. I love Kasia. Kasia is so wonderful. Um, I had Indian, I had Native American, I had Hispanic, I had all of the mixes. Um, they all, all the bases were covered and that wasn't intentional to show that we can be diverse. That's just how God works in our lives um, and shows that we can love anyone, no matter uh, what they look like or how they view things that we just love everyone. And, and Fred's bridal party is, was the same way. Um, his best man is Indian. So it just worked out that way. Fred, you, uh, y'all bought a house, <laughs> but, but Fred had to live in the apartment and Kelsey got the house till you got married. Are you, are you still better? Are you, or have you forgiven her at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've forgiven her for, for making me live with my mom for, for three months while she got this nice swanky place all to herself. Oh, was it nice? Don't act. Don't let him, don't let you all. He it wasn't nice and swanky because it um, was a construction site for a little bit. So we were doing some renovations on yeah. the floors and, and in the kitchen and the and kitchen the, countertop. So I didn't have kitchen countertops for a while. I didn't have floors for a while. So I had started moving stuff in and they tore out the floors. Yeah. which created dust all over everything. Yeah. The other thing that Hollywood doesn't show you about getting married and, and love and, and building a life together is that it's, it's a process. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of process and, and it's messy and it takes time, but it's worth it. And they say it takes time. Uh, any, any listener, any person that any ever comes to me for advice, I will say that we didn't do it the wrong way. 
we definitely didn't do it the easiest way. Yeah. Uh, because in the short time from May to January, I uh, I had had a car, my car since I graduated high school. And so I'd been saving up for a car. So I ended up having to buy myself a car. And, you know, as people know, they were great car deals during COVID. So again, another positive during a very, very hard time. I bought a car and then Fred's car, his hood flew off of it while he was driving down I-35. So, you know, Fred ended up needing a car too. So then Fred had to buy a car. So these are expenses that we did not account for. And then we needed a house. We needed a place to live. Um, and we were blessed financially to be able to put an offer in on a house. And we got that. And, you know, most people do things in stages. And we just decided, you know, we're engaged. We're getting married. We're planning a wedding during COVID, which is already stressful. We ended up buying two cars, which we are very, very blessed for. Um, and we bought a house, which we're very blessed for. But why not just throw in renovating the house on top of that? Because if we don't have enough stress, um, let's go ahead and have all the floors and countertops ripped out. Um, and so, yeah, I was crazy. They probably should have um, committed me for for agreeing to do that and us doing that. But it, it's beautiful. We have a wonderful home. Uh, and Fred was very saintly in letting me uh, live in the house first and decorate <laughs> it. I appreciate him very much because uh, living with parents, it's fun. We love our parents, but it's hard. So I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. The, the first Saint Fred. We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> we'll say to him, he'll be the first. Let me, let me wrap up. And I appreciate y'all's time. This has been great. But just talk about the future and, and what the future holds for y'all. And Fred, I know you're you're doing some student ministry and at North Church Guthrie, and Kelsey, you're helping him as well. Um, you know, and Kelsey, you're doing what you're doing as a paralegal. But what you know, what does the future hold for you two? Uh, babies at some point, eventually. Down I was going to let see the final answer. I was hoping I stayed quiet. I was hoping that was breaking news. No, not breaking news. No, 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 no. no, no. no. We, I know that that's what you're asking. Uh, yeah, eventually, <laughs> eventually, babies. Um, but I think honestly, it's just one day at a time, living life yeah. up and to the right. Yeah, up and to the right. They say your first year of marriage is your hardest, and I don't, I don't discount that in any way. I don't doubt that. Um, it may be hard. Of course, you know, we're, we're three weeks in and uh, the other day we we're like, man, marriage is great. We've had less fights. Uh, Fred said that to me. We've had less fights. Uh, and, uh, and that's the thing is like, you know, the romance part in love movies, when they fight, typically they break up and everything's detrimental and it ends. Um, and, and the reality is of love is you're going to have fights. You're going to yell. You're going to scream. You're going to be upset. And sometimes you may never be able to convince them that the way you want to do things is the right way. Um, and that's where we're love making that choice truly, truly is important. Um, and grace is that sometimes you just have to lay it down. Uh, Samson and hope they are our mentors. And so the best advice, we did premarital counseling with them and they said, um, for the things that are important to you, for you feel like they won't give and, and, and you won't give, um, rate them on a scale and say from one to 10, how important is this to you? And so Fred and I will do that on some things and I'll be like, it's a 10, but for him, it's an eight. And so while he may not want to do it, um, it's a 10 for me. And so it's, it's just learning to compromise. And so like Fred said, taking things a day at a time, 
uh, is just what we're going to be doing for the future. Uh, but yes, to answer the kid about, or answer the question about kids, uh, anticipate hopefully in within two years, maybe we'll see three or four. See, he says that, but he, <laughs> he's five years younger than me. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe two ish years for kids. We'll see. Hey, have us back in a year. We'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah they do it. By the way, up and to the right, you're not allowed to promote another podcast on this podcast. <laughs> you're not. We're Rodney's yeah. podcast. We, we will have no mention of Rodney's podcast on this podcast. <laughs> no competing podcasts. No, no competing, no podcasts. competing podcasts. I, no. Uh, no. Yeah, you, you all, I, I would imagine you've had a, you've had a wonderful, crazy, unbelievable year, both of you. And uh, 2021 is going to be probably a little calmer, but you know, uh, you know, there, you have some big things to come. And so I appreciate both of you being on the show. Well, thank and you. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. That will do it for this edition of Sunday Stories. We'd love for you to follow North Church on Facebook and Instagram. North Church experiences are live streamed on Facebook and YouTube, as well as available on our website. You can find that by going to north.church. Thank you for listening, and as always, love God, love people, and follow Jesus.